640 Toronto presents Think Tank, the breaking stories you care about. Please, tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. The backstories you don't know yet. That's my question! Facts and opinions that get you through your day. You never know what you're going to get. And now let's meet the guests. City of Toronto, 20 is the sunny sky, blue sky high later on today. And we've got a couple superstars in for Think Tank. Let's first introduce Janella Massa. You know her, you love her, you've seen her, and she, you're listening to her right now. It's great to have you on. Hi, good morning, Greg. Thanks for having me. Are you a morning person? By I know uh, be, once everybody becomes a mother or father, they instantly become a morning person. So are you a morning? Do you enjoy your mornings? I don't have a choice anymore. I used to be I used to be a night person because I worked nights for for years. But both at CBC and before that, I anchored the eleven o'clock. I used to work three to midnight. So uh, yeah, this, this is a, a one eighty for me. <laughs> and uh, joining you and us and our audience is a retired police officer. He also ran for mayor this summer. Finished a very strong third, and out of one hundred and three candidates, uh, that's impressive. He was everywhere this summer. He is Mark Saunders. You, you're a vigilant person by nature, so I don't need to ask you if you're up early in the morning. Or, and are you now a grandparent? So I feel like you're. Are you? Are you? I don't want to make you a grandparent if you're not. No, you're aging pretty quick, and you're also calling me a superstar, so I'm concerned about what's in your Superstar non-grandparent, Mark <laughs> It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Um, all right, let, let's start here, and uh, this is what we heard. You know, we wrapped up our show at 9 in the morning yesterday, turned it over to Alex Pearson, and we heard uh, a lot of liberal MPs say things Tuesday. They didn't say Monday. Here's the Foreign Affairs Minister, Melanie Jolie. Uh, what happened on Friday is completely unacceptable. It was an embarrassment to the House and to Canadians. And I think the Speaker should listen to members of the House and step down. So let's start with you, Janelle. This is politics. Sometimes the Liberals uh, gathered uh, their thoughts on Monday, but on Tuesday they came out demanding the resignation of one of their own. For those who don't know, the Speaker is an elected Liberal MP. He's won four elections, as a matter of fact, up in North Bay and, and Nipissing. Given what happened over the weekend, Friday especially, Janela, was it inevitable that he was going to depart? Yeah, I think they really didn't have a choice. It was a matter of time. I mean, it wasn't just embarrassing. It was incredibly damaging. There was wider political implications. Um, I, I really think it, it was the, the only move. Uh, the writing was on the wall. Uh, what I am surprised was that the PM wasn't there to, to kind of put the nail in his coffin and, and, and put it behind him. Um, I suppose he's trying to, to maybe distance himself from the situation, really lean on this idea that this was purely the speaker's situation. Um, but I think that's a bad call. I think I think he's going to continue to be dogged by this until he actually steps steps up and takes some ownership and, and apologizes as well. Mark Saunders, you're someone, and, and we talked. We had a lot of conversations in the spring and summer about uh, accountability. What did you think of the prime minister not being in question period yesterday? Yeah, no, it, it's not good. Just the the national uh, representation of our country, the rest of the world, I have people that live in other countries who I haven't spoken to in a long time that are sending me messages going, what is going on in Canada? You had your House of Commons applauding a Nazi. Um, so there's a big picture to this that I think was completely overlooked. And, and even the fact that you heard people talking yesterday and suggesting that uh, the speaker should have uh, resigned, it was staged. The good thing would have been on Monday, he got up, apologized and said, you know what, this is horrible and I'm stepping out of here. And he's not a bad guy, but this was a huge mistake. 
And Mark, vetting is something, I mean, I, I don't need to tell you in your former line of work, vetting uh, guests, making sure things are secure, not just for safety, but background checks. And anybody in a scenario like that, that wasn't a random Tuesday in February, anybody in a scenario like that on the floor who's going to be recognized with Vladimir Zelensky there, there'd be millions of people across the world w- w- who would put a price on his head. You're checking every, this was not just like somebody inviting somebody over uh, over to a backyard barbecue, not at all. No, you know, for a moment, we didn't act like a G7 country. It was an absolute embarrassment. And in today's environment, it is so easy to to check and, and find minutia on people. Uh, but then again, here you have a Nazi just walking into the House of Commons, not a just waltz right in there, not a care in the world type thing. So it, it was really unique, this whole set of circumstances. But vetting is just a one-on-one basic thing that should have been done. That's Mark Saunders. Janella Massa is with us as well. You know the news cycle, and I greatly respect your uh, your journalistic integrity. You're starting to see this story spread its wings a little bit, Janella. Like on Monday morning, we're like, oh, the Russians are going to use this pr- propaganda. But now that we're talking maybe an extradition process, now that we're talking, we're seeing it everywhere on BBC. It was on the NBC Nightly News at 6.30 with Lester Holt last night. Like it, it's a pretty hard story to run from, as you'd know. Yeah, absolutely. And to the point about the vetting process, I mean, an apology is important, but the next piece of that is how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? Because it sounds like there isn't really a process in place or, or for for this kind of thing, which as we heard there, it seems kind of crazy, right? So I think, you know, and the other piece around it is that, you know, the whole point of of us hosting the Ukrainian president was was to keep the issue of Ukraine in the spotlight to show our support. And this gap has completely overshadowed that. So there should be an opportunity here to say, hey, let's focus on what we came here to do. Let's not lose sight of that. Uh, We apologize. Here's what we're going to do to make sure this doesn't happen Mm -hmm. again. And let's remember our Ukrainian friends and allies and and, and not let this situation uh, take that take away from that. This is Think Tank on 640 Toronto with Janela Massa and Mark Saunders. Uh, I want to play you something Warren Kinsella told me from the National Post just a few minutes ago, earlier in the 7 o'clock hour. I asked him if Poland wants to extradite a 98-year-old man and try him for war crimes, can Canada stop him? There is no statute of limitations on murder, and the Poles obviously reasonably believe you know, something terrible happened, if not with this man, but certainly with this unit, this 14th Waffen SS Grenadier unit. Um, you know, they were credibly charged with war crimes by the Nuremberg trials, uh, murder of Polish citizens, murder of Jews in the thousands. And, you know, the Poles want to find out what is the truth about this man. Canada should have done the same thing when he came to Canada in the 50s. Mark Saunders, this is a real no win here. And we'd all be familiar with the phrase perp walk. The idea of this gentleman, 98 years old, he needed a wheelchair to get around uh, the House most of the the House of Commons most of the time on Friday. The idea that he's going to be put into a car or taken to the airport and flown to Warsaw to a courtroom. um, And and there's this is a damned if you do, damned if you don't moment for Canada. We're going to have to let Poland um, extradite him and try him. Yeah, listen, I, I had a career of dealing with victims in real time, not just reading about them on paper. And if this is true, the, the horrendous things that would have been done to families and children, there should be, there is no statute of limitation on this. But there's a bigger picture. Canada's involvement in this, um, you know, I remember taking history. I didn't know that we allowed people in. 
uh, that uh, that were involved in genocide. And so this opens a whole new Pandora's box for me and for Canadian history and, and what the go forward is going to look like from a larger, broad scale. Mark makes an interesting point, Janelle. And again, from from a broadcast perspective, like that's your background and my background. It's difficult to minimize what this story would do. Look, people, they're concerned about price of groceries, price, price of rent, gas prices and whatnot. But we'd have a tough time turning away from uh, from a moment like this where where there's a 98 year old who's been living in North Bay for 30 years. And all of a sudden um, he may end up, you know, dying in a Polish prison closer to 100 years of age if it worked out that way anyway. Right. I, I mean, it's it's such a, as you say, it's such a difficult thing. You think about someone's you know, grandpa at the same time, just because time has passed, uh, should someone not answer, you know, for, for their sins? It's hard to forget forgive and forget when you're talking about these kinds of atrocities uh to the to the vetting process of canada you know i was reading a, a little bit about this it seems like uh, canada did do some uh investigations under brian mulroney and and they kind of declared that there wasn't enough substantiated evidence for for war crimes that just uh, a membership to this group uh, wasn't enough of course you know many jewish groups disagreed with that assertion and to me that's who we should be turning to when we ask mm. Um, should we be going down this path, right? We've talked in this country a lot about truth and reconciliation. And within that framework, it's the, the people who have been harmed who should lead the conversation about what amends look like. So if, you know, Jewish community leaders say, yes, we want to go down this road of uh, seeing this through, of prosecuting this guy and others like him who are, you know, maybe uh, found safe haven here in Canada, um, you know, they should be leading that conversation. Janelle Massa, Mark Saunders joining us, Think Tank. This is Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. I want to get to some TTC issues uh, with, with both of you. Yesterday, there was a news conference with Rick Leary, the CEO of the TTC, a couple of city councillors there as well. Bottom line, cause was revealed of the TTC's Scarborough Line derailment. Here's uh, And it was rusty bolts, uneven bolts for this accident July 24th, where people could have been much uh, more significantly hurt than they actually were with the train getting uh, a couple of cars getting derailed. Here's City Councilor Josh Matlow at the scene of the news conference. The RT was being held together by a bunch of rusty old bolts and political dysfunction. Uh, it should have never been allowed to derail, but the reason that it derailed was not just rusty old bolts, but because the political process derailed years ago. Okay, Mark, there's your uh, friend and rival from the summer, Josh Matlow, but he's probably not wrong. Like, it's it's tricky. When you read or hear, and I don't think it, it resonates with people who don't live in Scarborough, the idea that they'll be using buses to get from point A to B and beyond until 2030 in a city like Toronto, just doesn't seem right. Like when Scarborough says, we get a raw deal sometimes, I listen to that and I go, you're right, and you should you should be served better than this. Well, again, you know, the squeaky wheel's not getting the grease. And, and here we have Scarborough, which has the largest population of newcomers in the country. And they're overlooked time after time in the relevant discussions at City Hall are not being had. had, had. Mm. Uh, you know, listening to Rick Leary yesterday, he said, well, we're $10 billion short and we moved to an area close to the subway line only to find out that, you know, out of the 52 weekends, 50 of those weeks, certain parts of the lines are closed down. So there's a huge problem that, that really needs to be prioritized by our city government. Janelle, you probably live this like I do and many, and many people listening do. This is, this is chicken and egg. If you don't give me or you a reliable transit service, we won't take it. And if you really want to get funding for the TTC, people like you and I would take it. And then there's no there's not the revenue that gets generated by busy trains and busy subways again. Yeah, I mean, but but I also think and we're probably going to talk a little bit more about this. But, you know, the idea that the residents, the riders should be kind of funding this. 
um, I think that is uh, really unfair, especially considering what they've dealt with. Look, I lived in Scarborough. I worked in the CTV buildings at Aging Court. I rode that loud, rickety RT for years. It was terrible. Uh, but a terrible train was better than none. I really feel for the people who are stuck on buses for the next seven plus years, knowing knowing this city, it'll probably be double. Uh, we could have, to, to Matt Lowe's point, we could have had an LRT. Um, Mayor Ford, uh, Rob Ford, scrapped those plans. It probably would have been finished by now. Yeah. And who knows what next politician could throw a wrench into this plan. Uh, 2030, like, you know, I think I'd like to propose that every TTC trip starting in Scarborough from now until 2030 should be free because those residents, what they have endured and what is still to come, uh, you know, it's just they they continue to get the short end of this. You got a great lens for this, then, Janelle. What was the, what was the worst part of riding it? Delays? Was it too crowded? Was it just we're bouncing around? The sound. The sound. It was so loud. The screeching on those rails. <laughs> but at least you could get somewhere. So Mar- having to be on a bus. I mean, they say they're, they're Chow talking about dedicated bus lanes, but there's no funding for that yet, and it can take three years before that's in place. Mark, you you advocated pretty hard and said, listen, I, I've got the relationships built. I'm going to go to the province and demand help. I'm going to go to the federal government and demand help. We've got Olivia Chow, who finished first, you finished third in Ottawa today to make more asks. Um, when you look at that scenario, do you say, I, I, I'm not seeing somebody who's forceful enough for these asks to fix things like the TTC? I'm looking where money shouldn't be spent. This is a priority. We've got these newcomers coming in in droves. They rely on transit. It is their lifeblood. And so we have to take that priority and we have to expand on transit. It is so key with what Toronto is going to be looking like in the years to come. And we can't set our newcomers up for failure and we can't sell, sell our businesses short too because they need that traffic of people. This is a little bit, I, I, I want to stay with you, Mark, really quick and, and talk about Young and Dundas um, because there was, there was a story in the Star about and you referenced and talked about safe injection sites and, and we had a very animated um, uh, economics professor that we often have on to talk economics issues, but he teaches at TMU and I played the tape for him for my wife and we're considering sending our son to TMU next year and she had no idea. I think a lot of Toronto residents have no idea. If we went to Young and Dundas Square five years ago, 10 years ago, it's night and day. And I know that's an overused phrase, but when you hear about Young and Dundas, when you're in Young and Dundas, what do you see? It, it saddens me. Um, you, you've got two types of businesses, either businesses with broken windows or businesses trying to get out before they're broken and they can't be insured. Uh, you've got people that are in need of help and uh, no resources for it. And, you know, the city kind of created that. I think there's an opportunity to, to change that, though. And, and, but it, there has to be that political will, and it has to be all levels of government. That is supposed to be our Times Square. It, it is a Times nightmare right now. And, and that's sad because, again, when you're a tourist and you go down there and you're bringing your family, um, there are things there that really should not be seen by families. Janelle, when Mark said, I, I yeah, go ahead, please do, yeah. please do. Because I also, you know, I watched it happen in real time. I worked at City News. I worked, as I mentioned, yeah. three to midnight. I worked on the 11 o'clock newscast. So I, our building was right in front of Young and Dundas. And, and COVID really kind of exposed um, issues that already existed in our city uh, and people who needed help and resources who basically had nowhere to go and they were left kind of on the streets. And so over, over those, those years of COVID, I, I watched uh, the square kind of become the place uh, for people who had nowhere else to go, no support, no, no resources. Um, that, that became the place where they hung out. Uh, in the last three months, I've, you know, I, 
I go to Eaton Center quite often. I teach at TMU this, this starting the semester. Mm. Um, I've had incidents more than one uh, in public elevators uh, by the square and by the mall where people were smoking crack and I'm with my child in my stroller. Um, and it just feels like we've entered this, this new level, this new era. And, and so, you know, it does feel like, you know, Toronto's on the edge. So many people who have needed help and support have not been able to get it. And, you know, we talk about all of the things the city needs funding for transit, housing, uh, mental health supports, uh, you know, all of these things, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out which one's at the top of the priority list. But there are so many things that we need to deal with in the city. What year, let me ask what year you started that, because I, I finished, I worked in 07 to 10 in that, uh, in the Eaton Center when um, when 640 and, and the chorus stations were here. But you probably, st- I've watched you for a long time. When did you start in that building? 13, 14, yeah, 15? 2016. 2016. And I was there for five years. And yeah. so you, when you, when you started versus when you finished, yeah. what changed? Oh, I would just say, you know, this is what I realized is especially during the pandemic, right? The people who would find safe haven in public places like a Tim Hortons or a library mm-hmm. or the ball food court, the places where they could kind of, um, you know, blend amongst a crowd. Um, they lost all of that during COVID, right? So the streets became where people would hang out. Um, and on top of that, you know, I think a lot of people who were on the edge, just hanging on, just making it, uh, were pushed over the edge during COVID. And a lot of people ended up on the streets. A lot of people ended up, uh, you know, succumbing to, to drug addiction. Um, and so, you know, I, I, watched, I watched those numbers swell and, and it started to feel uh, unsafe. Not to say that people who are, are, are without housing are inherently yeah. dangerous or, or that, you know, people who are struggling with addiction are inherently dangerous. But I think that there was a lot of also just mental health um, and, and that feeling of unpredictability of, you know, when someone uh, might, you know, uh, do something and, and you feel that tension uh, on the streets and, and, on, and on the TVC as well. Incredible. I mean, we've, you're a remarkable storyteller for one, but that's 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 an unbelievable story. And and Mark, these are the people I'm flashing back to the spring and summer. These are the conversations you were having with Torontonians. This was your uh, appeal to say. Uh, and it's a compassionate one. It's not about arresting people and dragging people off and shaming them. It's about getting them help for their problems. But also people like Janella and her daughter, people like you and your family, our listeners and their family. We've got a right to walk uh, safely from point A to B. We've got a right to be in a public square and not a square and not feel threatened. We have that right. We earn that right. No, absolutely. And, and again, my my big concern of Iran was because we, we just normalized disorder too much. And Janelle is right. We watched it. We all sat at our bag of popcorn and watched it. And uh, the right resources were, were never even considerations or topic points in order to, to help us off that. And so now, you know, mm. the pandemic has kind of cracked things even more. And, and so the displacement where it is a much larger uh, venue now of this type of uh, environment right across our city. We're seeing it right across the city, but the density is downtown in, in a very big way. Mm. Last thing for you, Mark, because I, 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 we, we've taken a turn here, but I think it's an important turn. We're getting a lot of listener feedback to it, um, and they like what you both are saying. But if if the, the campaign is over now, if Mayor Chow of City Council said to Mark Saunders, you're the former chief of police, would you work on a safety panel? Would you give us advice? Would you? There was a Young and Dundas commission to fix that specific area, to zero in on that. Would you consider that? Would you do it? 
No, absolutely. I I ran because I I believe that Toronto, we have amazing people and and we have a great Mm -hmm. chance to not decline to the uh, same extent as the other major cities. We're the fourth largest in North America and we have great people and things can be done. And and I ran to make that difference. So um, uh, if there's any help that needs to be done, yeah, for sure. Mark Saunders, Janelle Massa joining us. We only got about three minutes left, but Janelle, I know your eyes are on Ottawa today. It's kinda, it's a touch busy in Ottawa today, and it has been the last five days from our first topic. But Olivia Chow going there, um, I think people were at least pleased. There was some, you know, um, it, it wasn't all icy. There was some conciliatory, of course we have to work with the province. And she'll head to Ottawa today for federal support. Two big meetings, Sean Fraser, Minister of Housing, and Mark Miller, Minister for Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship. And Torontonians need really, you know, again, there's some synergy there with those two departments that we need to fix here in our city. Yeah, I mean, for all the reasons we just discussed, here's hoping she makes it two for two. Uh, she proved that, you know, the political stripes don't matter. I, and getting that deal with Ford, I really hope the feds are going to see that. Look, if Canada is to succeed, its biggest city needs to succeed. And right now, this city uh, has a lot of major issues and a huge funding gap. We're welcoming, you know, a million refugees. And how many of those are going to end up in Toronto Uh, We have to deal with the housing situation, the transit situation, affordability, all of these things. Uh, We can't keep asking, uh, you know, uh, uh, taxpayers uh, to we can't keep asking for more taxes, raising service fees. Uh, The federal government really needs to to step in. Everyone's feeling squeezed here. Mm. Mark, do you worry um, that it's noted in the Toronto Star story that the the mayor said, I'm quoting David Ryder's piece, the mayor said she's received no response from the federal government, but understands the Trudeau government may wait for an Ontario Toronto agreement. That gets to be the problem of of buck passing right there. Do you worry that the provincial government, the federal government will just point fingers at each other and Toronto's left sort of at holding the bag, as it were? Well, they're shooting themselves in the foot because if Toronto fails, you know, as Janelle said, then Canada fails. We represent 20 percent of the GDP and people gravitate here. And there are reasons for that. And so we have to make sure that it is collective and, and, and that the mayor has the right uh, points that she uh, wants to get across but she also has to answer the spending piece and and you know we can't get taxed to death for sure but how are the city taxpayers dollars being spent um the refugee thing what happened over the summer with hundreds of refugees mm-hmm. out there in the streets for weeks that's not toronto that's not canada and and so they better stop finger pointing and actually start delivering Loved having you both on today. Thanks for bringing your passion, your stories, uh, your own personal anecdotes as well from from your personal life, your professional lives as well. I love this pairing. Thank you very much for the time today, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Rick. Janelle Massa joining us, broadcaster and a brilliant storyteller. I could listen to her forever. And Mark Saunders, I thought he was excellent today as well.